Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Where's the music? No music. Well, I mean, the music's going to come up later. But I don't know if I can start it the right way without the music. I'm going to hum the music for you. If you want to hum it, you can hum it. I'm not humming the music for you. Bike911.com if you have any legal things. This is a weird one. Jason and I are in a hotel room, kind of looking at each other, trying trying to be as far apart as we can. I apologize for the audio because it's already Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. East Coast, and I'm going to get this up, and I'm not going to edit all this audio quality stuff because I don't really feel like doing it. Yeah, and if you hear this at any time, that's because (laughs) if you hear that knock, that click. We apologize for everybody listening in their car right now who are just absolutely (laughs) getting ready to throw their radio out the window. Oh, man. That's me with a hotel car just beating on the microphone just to piss Greg off a little bit, but but we're going to be good. We're going to get through this. The fact that Jason even got here is amazing since he was busy with his former team owner for a couple of days. How did that go? It's good. I've been in Florida for a week, G-Dub, since mm. Wednesday. I was in Orlando. Is it a little different than being a truck walla for a week? Oh, yeah, it's a little <laughs> different than that. But more importantly, it's, it's it feels like California here now. <laughs> At least back home, it's just still freezing cold and it's raining every day. So... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what's going on back there, but everybody I've been talking to at home are still like, yeah, it's supposed to rain Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday or something. I'm like, wow. So I've been here for a week and did, did a few days up by uh, in Winter Haven, was there, and then went down to West Palm for a few days and then drove up the, uh, this evening from West Palm up to here. And Greg and I are in our hotel room because we are here for Bike Week, Daytona 200. We're right across the street from the Speedway. And it's time, G-Dub. I'm pumped for the week. I'm excited about like just getting the season kicked off moto america second year they've done uh, the daytona 200 and like and i know we're going to talk about it here in a minute but there's a lot of hype going on around it which i'm i'm pretty excited to see a lot of hype going on yeah. around it yeah so we're going to talk about world superbike round two from mandalika i guess that's the way they pronounce it not mandalika like we've been saying it's not just shithole <sighs> yeah that's another situation uh we're gonna have a brief news presented by Arrive. We're going to do a little Daytona, <clears throat> excuse me, Daytona 200 preview. And then we're going to talk about Supercross, Supercross Fantasy. So I say we just get right into it. So here's your news presented by Arrive. Where's the music? Need the music. It's in your head. Ah, okay, got it. Yeah, All right. So of, right now, the, the people at home are listening to the music, but ah, you're not listening to the music. Okay. All right, be quiet. Jay, let's talk Moto E for a second, okay? Because Moto E just had their first three-day test at Jerez on the new Ducati V21L bike. Now, this bike is about 35 kilograms or 77 pounds lighter than the previous bike. They So they're coming in at 225 kg or 496 pounds, significantly lighter than a bagger. And uh, the, the power, <coughs> excuse me, the power is about the same, 150 horsepower, it's 110 kilowatts, but the torque has been cut from 220 newton meters down to 140. I guess it's probably easier on tires and stuff. Now the Ducati, it takes about 45 minutes to charge it to 80%. And now because of the current battery technology, practice sessions when they do race are gonna be 15 minute sessions. The races will be six to eight laps depending on the track demands. Let's look at some lap times, okay? So we know that like the, the best lap time around Jerez on a Moto E bike's a 47.778. Um, if you look at what happened in the three-day test, the only test they, the only real good day they had was on Tuesday or the second day, sorry. And Eric Granado ended up breaking the track record at a 47 flat, and it was all rain from that point. So, you know, 
just so to kind of so he so he actually broke the lap record already. G Dub, I, I didn't, I didn't the see the record. news on this. Okay, yeah, okay, he already broke it. the lap record. Yep, uh, it's dude. The bike, the bike looks insane. Honestly, I mean, it looks like I did see what it looked like. It yeah. did look really good. It looks really good. They the the riders that have ridden the Ducatis before, like the proper MotoGP bikes or the or the uh, super bikes, say that the way that Ducati has developed the power. Uh, delivery feels just like a V4 motor. Wow! And so there's just a lot of I, the the biggest thing, of course, is the weight. I mean, 77 yeah. pounds lighter. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. I mean, yeah. that's that's really super noticeable for the guys that have been in the series running it. Um, and that's the reason yeah, why they didn't great. want to increase the horsepower because they're literally kind of getting it was into be lighter. yeah, they're like they're getting into kind of Moto it's Moto two territory in terms of the horsepower output, but. Moto three bikes have gone forty four nine, so say forty five. Yep. And now Moto E's gone forty seven. Okay. So. So you're telling me though that Moto GP still at thirty six one minute thirty six one, so it's about eleven seconds still though, huh? Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I mean, that is a lot, but you know, um, it'll be interesting too come race time. I mean, because was this really like the first big team test? It was. The, it's the first time any non developer's been on the bike. Okay. Oh, okay. So the right. So so you've yep. had Chaz Davis. Who's oh, wow. okay. on the bike? You've had um, Piro, Piro, yep. and um, God, who's their other tester? Um, it's it's some XGP guy from like Brazil or something. But anyway, okay. So so they've had those three riders on the bike testing it. So this is the first time the entire paddock, basically all all the bikes, and everybody's I think gets two bikes. Okay. So it was a big ask. I mean, I'm sure that Ducati worked all winter long to get these bikes ready to roll. Yeah. And it's it's pretty interesting because I think the biggest takeaway is you you can't have you know a six to eight lap like Moto E is not going to take over Moto GP anytime soon. Right. They're going to have to come up with totally new battery technology that would allow them. But I mean, dude, they sound wicked. They look wicked. Wow. So you actually saw a video of it? And yeah. They, I just they, yeah. It's it. all over. Yeah. It's all over MotoGP.com. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to get on there and have a look at it tonight. I haven't. I haven't looked at some of that stuff the last few days, so that's yeah. I mean, dude, I'm, like it, it. This bike looks so good. It it's the first time in a long time that I've actually said, like, man, I would like to get a ride on that thing. Well, I it's interesting you say that because I wanted to ask you. Remember when this thing started? What probably four years ago? Five years ago now? Three? It's been. It yeah, has to be I think more. This will be four, four or five, five years. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have the intrigue of people in it that it did. I think initially to start with, and I'm just wondering why. Like, it doesn't seem like. You know, with some there were some there were some main regular guys that were like I see now I think Krumenacker's in it. Krumenacker's in it. He was fastest um, today. Which oh, he was. was. Day three. Okay. Not the fastest overall on the test. That yep. was Granado, right? Who was already oh, won. The he's been in. He's been in it before, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. Jordi Torres is he still in it? Yeah. But Ferrari's there was, in it. Okay, and he's been in it. But I, again, these are kind of guys that we've known that we have known that mm -hmm. have specialized. Um, and like Jordi Torres rode World Superbike, I thought did really well. I thought he was a, a tremendous rider, and then he kind of found a home in Moto E. He's probably making a decent living at it, right? So, um, but the rest of the ride, there's a lot of riders on there that I don't really know or have heard. I think of. it's an opportunity to get some because almost the entire paddock is Spanish and uh, and Italian, and there's a couple Italians in there that I recognize their names from the results sheets and like local, the local championships, mm -hmm. like the Italian championship or yep. the CEV championship in Spain. So I think it's almost an opportunity there. I don't know if Moto E gets to the point where, you know, cause initially you think, okay, we're like, 
I was really surprised not to see a guy like Davizioso. You know, like if yeah, it, if, or, his, if his relationship wasn't so soured with like Ducati, yeah, I would think like that's what you would see. You would see a couple of the riders that just couldn't get the rides. Like you know, maybe Andrea um, Iannone comes back. Iannone, you know what yeah. I mean? He gets on an e-bike. Like it's really hard to, to to say like that's kind of the situation. You know, it's almost like the Daytona 200. I mean, we dust off some pretty crusty people. Mm-hmm. You know, that come racing the Daytona 200. Well, yeah, I think that those are a little bit of the older guys i think there's a lot of young guys too that are kind of developing in moto e and i i don't the the technology and stuff it intrigues me still um what kind of it doesn't seem like it's got the hype that it did once before maybe with ducati it's re yeah it's re-energized it's, because Ducati's reigniting got it. that a little bit you 100%. know yeah because so, what you have with you know first of all you have the you know you have the name ducati right you, yeah. you don't you're not trying to build a brand Energisica, Energica, whatever, whatever is pronounced. Yeah, you know we we we'll see Stefano Mesa on that bike in Roland Sands this weekend. Yeah, actually, on not the Ducati, obviously. Yeah. So um, I think it's kind of renewed and re-energized people because Ducati's spearheading it. So not only do you have Ducati who built the bikes, now you're going to have Ducati also who's going to be a media engine behind it. I can yeah. see if they start pushing it because obviously. Audi owns Ducati. Mm-hmm. Audi is technically unbelievable with electronics. They did a video, kind of a launch video, like a few days ago, Ducati did. And it was all Italian engineers, all Ducati engineers. But from what I've heard, there's quite a bit of, of German ingenuity behind the mechanics of it all. You know, the the Audi people coming over or at least lending a hand, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Anyway, so that's kind of the only real big news item that I have because everything else is kind of newsworthy, but we're going to be talking about it later. Yeah. So. No, it's great. And I think that is that... When's their first race? Are they... I don't know. They do have another do they, test. Are they they going go to, to Portimao first race of the year? Or? Probably. I can't... No, no, no. Are they going to Portimao? I don't, I don't know. know. They might be, but I know that they have one more like two or three day test that's coming up at Catalonia. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's interesting to know. And I know that there's a lot of other little news items that were that you know maybe we're not skipping over but uh i saw you know obviously you and i are here for the daytona 200 a lot of teams have been testing at robling a lot of guys have been getting on the bikes and getting ready for the lead up to this week and you know one of the things i think last year gw when we you and i were here i even said to the lady just now checking that when we checked in it was freezing here last year it was in the 30s at night like low 30s um and even in the, the the mornings it was wet and they did a great job of even getting all the races in last year. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit different this year. So I'm hoping that it stays dry for us. And these, these teams that are making the big investment to come to Daytona, to try to chase the Daytona 200 again. Um, you know, I saw a lot of them out testing this week and, uh, and, and not just the, not just the super sport bikes that are going to be doing the 200, the twins cup bikes been out there um, and so on. So, uh, you know that, it, that there's there's a lot of news surrounding that stuff and maybe we'll get into a little bit of that when we talk about the 200 here in a minute but first gw they had the you know what is it the second round of the year in indonesia for world superbike this past weekend and um it was a really interesting i mean i don't know if you'd call it interesting weekend there's a lot of storylines there's a lot of things to unwrap you know kind of unwrap with what the weekend was about um, you know, first and foremost for me, you know, you and I haven't talked this week really much because I've been on the road, you've been on the road. Um, I'm interested in getting your thoughts and I'm going to give you mine to start with. But number one, 
I don't feel like Indonesia is a world-class racetrack. I don't think it's a, the facility might be nice. Um, all the riders and stuff seem to like the, the area. A lot of them sound like they got sick from food poisoning over the weekend, which was pretty wild. But, but Greg, there, what are, how many races have we seen down there now? We've seen a couple MotoGPs, maybe the third time World Superbike's been there. The track is just shit. Like on Friday, most of the riders are sitting in the pits or in the in their garages for the first 30 minutes of every session, letting some other guys go out and clean the track up. I don't understand it. I don't know why they would continue to go there. And part of the, the problem I have is, I mean, do you see how many people are crashing? And it's not like they're crashing because of necessarily anything that they're doing wrong. They're just getting a foot offline and they're getting flung in the air or losing the front and going through a bunch of equipment. I think that there were more crashes this weekend than, than they would probably see at most other rounds. And it'll be interesting to talk to Steve English about this. We were going to try to get him on this week. He was open to it, but Greg and I couldn't get to this podcast obviously till tonight. So, but I'm interested in hearing what he has to say about it. Um, from a, from a ex rider perspective, we hear so many of these guys talking about unsafe racetracks and tracks that aren't really deemed viable for you know for races we get we get categorized in some of that over here in america i have zero desire to ride in indonesia like i don't even i wouldn't even want to go there and ride that racetrack and my takeaway from the weekend was it was like it's like a race of survival on a on a four foot wide line that the track might be 30 or 40 feet wide but they can only use like four feet of it and um you know that that Super Bowl race. I believe it was the Super Bowl race, G-Dub, where where Johnny Ray went underneath Batista, didn't touch him, didn't get near him. Both of them ran offline by two feet, and Batista gets flung off, high sided, and Ray almost did the same. I believe at any other racetrack, those guys are still riding and and fighting for it. Um, I'm just curious to know, I guess, like what what your take on it. I I, I didn't enjoy watching the weekend. I mean, you, you would think the reason Indonesia has that racetrack and is trying to attract people is obviously to the island of Mandalika, wherever they call it. Yeah. Mandalika. And what I don't get is I know it's an, it's kind of a remote island and all that stuff. I don't know if you saw the video that Loris Baz posted uh, today. It was basically like a, a, a time-lapse ride on his scooter from basically where he was staying to the actual racetrack itself Mm -hmm. you get a really good feel for the island i mean it looks a little bit remote and stuff it looks really cool but it's you know it's not like all paved roads and stuff so the thing you have to ask yourself is why have they not because didn't a couple years ago they have to like change something dramatically on the racetrack and it was really a big it was a big issue i thought like bringing moving equipment in and stuff there's some like if they repaved it or something like after the first year, I can't remember what it was, but anyway, yeah. the, like, how do you not clean that racetrack? So I don't understand when we look, when we look at safety, right? Mm-hmm. You, you look at obviously homologation for runoff room walls, you know, barriers, things like that. But it's really difficult when you show up and have all this asphalt to the left of you and to the right of you that you cannot use. You can't use it. It's it, it affects the, so, so like for world Superbike. I'm sure there's money involved. I'm sure that Indonesian government pays good money for that race to come there. Yep. Because you want to attract tourism and all that kind of stuff. So I I get that bit of it. But it is really difficult to say, like, this is a race that is a race. I mean, it's not a race. It was just... 
It's whoever survival. got out to the front and who was willing survival. to take the most risk. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like there was only really one place you could pass. Yeah, there's a couple, you know, unless you're on a Ducati, of course, because oh, yeah. you can just go zipping by people down straights, and that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and right now, World Superbike's taking a bit of a beating on the stuff that I read um, about making this kind of a Ducati Cup and and what have you. Uh, look, Batista's world, world-class rider, and I think that when you look at Batista and Rinaldi, just take those two, for instance. Um, Rinaldi, to me, is he's as good as, you know, as good as he is, he's not at the level that Batista is at all. And, um, and that if, was very if you, put it, if you put Rinaldi on a Cowie, where is he? He's, he's 10th, you know, or further. I, I honestly, I, right now in my heart of hearts, I don't have a lot of, I think Rinaldi's riding very well. I think he did really well this last weekend. Batista ran him down past him. And I just think that the bike right now is, just better than everything else and that's for another discussion to be honest with you I, I think when you look at the weekend and race one is all you have to really think about because they're running the x tire they're running the softest tires they can run out of the ducatis and even in the heat the bike is they're not wearing out the edges or the sides of their tires at all because they can rely a little bit on the horsepower of the bike and then batista's weight and all that kind of thing that goes into it now um Batista and Batista is a world-class rider. You asked me the same question about Batista on a Cowie. I still think he'll be top five guy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that bad. I think that the Honda has made a little bit of a step this year. So it would have been really interesting to see how he would have done on like on the Honda this year, maybe after putting in those years he put in and then a, a year off of it from last year. But he ended up winning the first race, Greg, by almost five sec, by five seconds over top rack. Uh, Locatelli ended up third in that, and he's having a tremendous year so far. Uh, Locatelli's done a nice job. He's made a big step. Big step. Bassani fourth, and Petrucci did a really nice job of getting himself in there to fifth with Vandermark, Vierge, uh, Agurda. Johnny Ray is ninth, and Lowe's is tenth. And if you watch that race, um, (laughs) you know, the Cowies are are there. They struggle so so bad in the heat, though, that with sort of six laps to go, those two just started heading backwards. Um, for the longest time, Al had pace to be able to get up there, and Johnny was was back there as well. Um, and and you know again, the Cowies are are obviously struggling. Sykes, I think he finished, but he was like four, three or four laps down, so he's just having a nightmare of a season. You know, and, and then when you start looking at the Super Bowl race, this is really where a, <laughs> this is where everything just went nuts. Um, at the start of that race, um, Lowe's was talking about how Petrucci pinched him going into turn two, which started a chain reaction of crashes. And did you see that Kawasaki? Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Thing like it was snapped in half, but Lowe's ends up cleaning out Baz, uh, along with that. And, um, you know, Al was not stoked at all on kind of feeling like he's pinched off. And again, this kind of goes back to. The line itself. These guys know if they get off line just a little bit, that they're going to fall. It doesn't matter. So Petrucci, whether he did or whether he didn't, I don't know, starts to pinch off Al because he doesn't want to get into the dirty part of the racetrack. And at the restart, we see after the red flag, there was some there was some stuff put down. The big kind of moment of the weekend is Alex Lowe's running over Loris Baz's leg as Loris puts his leg out and. Breaks his leg, breaks his fibula, has a, a broken ankle as well. 
And if you read, did you see some of the stuff that Laura said about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. Laura's came out right away and kind of told everybody to just chill out a little bit. Like there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with what Al did, but they're both fighting for three feet of track. And I went back and I watched it in slow motion a couple of times. Al's front tire is it about Baz's rear tire when he's, when he's getting ready to go by and Laura just sticks out his leg as Al's front tire is kind of at the rear of Baz's bike. Al's already looking to the right, trying to get into that corner, but he's got about a three, four foot line to actually do it. Any other racetrack, he's going to be clean enough to go down the inside and, and, and probably give a little bit of room. Um, and I felt horrible for Baz because he's actually been riding really well. And it was awful to see that whole thing kind of transpire. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I just think that Loris handled it with class. As After the it. crash, those two took a photo together and he asked people, calm down on Alex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Things happen. And then even the leg situation, he's like, I don't blame Alex for what happened. Yeah. Now you and I have had our issues with the leg sticking out thing. And, and the fact that we know Loris and we really like Loris, it yeah. sucks so bad that it happened to him. Not like if it happened to anybody else, we don't know it'd no, be any better. No, anybody it but, but it's, but... But he's got this a lot is, bigger leg than a lot of people he too, does, right? You know Doesn't what I mean? Yeah. Petrucci sticks his way out there too and all that yeah. stuff. And it's like, <clears throat> this is the thing that I've been, been concerned about since the leg dangling thing actually became a thing. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. on and off for years. Someone eventually is going to get hurt. The problem with this situation is it was the perfect storm because the line was narrow. There wasn't room because everybody knows who sticks their leg out. Mm-hmm. And so Alex probably knew like hey like subconsciously he knew he's closer than he normally is but he's got to make the pass this is his job 100 percent. and so and so it it has nothing to do with the the bigger problem i have g-dub is that that so for me the leg dangle thing is is really an interesting topic because i have yet to talk to one single rider and i'll ask you this question point blank that i've asked them if you are not allowed to do that would lap times get slower no, they wouldn't. And and the thing is, is if you if you watch the first lap or two of of a World Superbike race, yeah, you will see. This isn't an exact number, okay? But you see, half the field do it, and half the field doesn't do Correct. it. Correct. Yet the top guys like Johnny Ray, I don't. He bear if he, he does he, it. He they put it kind of. He puts it kind of straight down, and Alex does it too. He but he puts his like it doesn't go out like. People are like literally sticking their legs Dude, out Petrucci to the right. Petrucci sticks his way out. Yeah, like Leon Haslam used to. Yeah, yeah. Do the same, and he brought his leg so in. The, so I've tried it a couple times, riding around. It's been some years. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I can conclude is it kind of gives you this feeling that it helps to pull you into the corner. Yeah. Okay, it's almost like an outrigger, but I don't think it, do, it doesn't do anything. I mean, a guy like Baz and Petrucci... Their advantage, because everything else on the bike is a disadvantage. Their size is a disadvantage in the dry conditions everywhere except one area, which mm-hmm. is braking. Right. And that is when you get on the brakes hard, you can scoot your butt back in the seat mm-hmm. and use your weight. I've talked yeah. about this before. It's what Bautista can't do. So if anybody could, you know, like Bautista is against Top Rack, Bautista is vulnerable on the brakes because Top Rack is unbelievable feel on the brakes. Plus, he's a tall rider. He can get his weight back. And I was talking to a MotoGP engineer about this, you know, 
during Spees' era. Mm-hmm. That Spees, because he was tall, had the... Or, you know, I've mentioned it before. Simoncelli versus Pedroza. Mm-hmm. Pedroza could only go so hard on the brakes, grabbing 21 bar pressure on the brakes. And then his... his because he's so small, the rear end would come straight over his head. Mm. Where Simoncelli could scooch back and he can he can snatch Distribute more... Distribute his weight a little bit. Yeah. He can yeah. snatch more bar of pressure, keep the rear wheel down a little bit more, keep control of the bike. Yeah. Beyond that, corner speed's corner speed. Okay, so now it becomes acceleration, and that's where Bautista's deal, and that's where people are like, wait, 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 wait. Right. But it's it's one of those situations where I think the bigger rider you are, maybe the more it. I, I don't know because I'm not a smaller rider, but you see Petrucci's stick is like way out there. You see uh, Baz's stick is like way out there, and I think that <laughs> yeah. that's probably because they can. Maybe some of it is that subconscious thing. Like I'm going to block maybe somebody's line. I mean, you know, we talk about sticking elbows out, I, or I, but I don't. I don't see how that's even I gotta a think thing. That that's not a thing. I think, you know, blocking somebody's line. If 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 you knew, first off, no rider. If, if any rider admitted that, they'd be susceptible to somebody aiming for that thing. And, yeah. and I said it a long time yeah, ago. And Alex didn't aim for it. We know that. I I I I said it a long time ago that there are riders. I mean. You're passing so close. We saw Johnny almost rip top leg, top rack's leg off last year at most. It was so close that that you know top rack threw his leg out. Johnny hit it. In this particular case, Baz had his foot on the ground, like his foot was like basically on the ground, and Al rode over his front foot. You know, his right. Yeah, yeah, foot. like it was actually rode it over. So his his boot caught traction on the asphalt correct. and then rolled over it. That's correct. And and so as opposed to if he had it, dangled it in the air a little bit, it might have like more bounced off the front tire not possibly correct and he might have been able to pull it right but at this point al ran over his foot while the foot was kind of more on top of the ground Mm -hmm. you know and and, you know the thing too is some guys will say well it helps me break deeper and i think well okay so in the rain you're only going to have so much brake pressure that you can pull on in the rain but yet you still see guys with their legs out hanging out and it's i i really do believe that it, it maybe it's comfortable maybe it's a habit maybe it's whatever it wants to be um obviously rossi started doing it back in the day <laughs> and people go like oh jay you're old school and this now i'm not because i really do feel like i've Dude, evolved. rossi started it all yeah i feel like i've evolved with i've tried my best to evolve with everything that the sport is giving us as a as a guy who rode a bunch of years ago competitively i still want to take the time to understand and learn what these guys are doing and why they're doing it and really, there's never been a rider that definitively, you know, Gintley and some other guys have actually come out and said, well, do you it for this way or do it for that way. And I think, okay. But there are still guys that aren't doing it that are just as fast, that are just as quick, that are capable of winning races. And I just, for me, I really do think that it, this will be something that Dorner will start to look at. Um, as far as you don't want guys just throwing their body parts off a bike and, and, running the risk of, of falling and and to your point g-dub if anybody in this case this was probably the most perfect track for something like that to happen because the race line is so small and it is so shitty that these guys have to have to deal with it the track looks extremely one-lined as it is um, especially once you get into turn two and you got those fast la- or the couple second gear lefts probably short shift third fourth into some fast right left sections those are all one line sections so 
again, you've only got, like you said, maybe two places to pass, three places. The last sector of that track where you come into the real long tight right before the last left-hand run of the straight, that would be a potential place to pass. But you saw what happened to Redding when he tried. He literally was going up underneath. I forget who it was, but he just, the, the whole bike just slid out from underneath him. That doesn't happen. That does not happen at other tracks. Um, and I think there's been a couple riders that have been vocal about it this week. I think Batista was one of them, just saying that the track, he didn't blame Johnny for the incident. He said it was. No, not even, no, he, he not even close. See, all these people are on there, oh, Johnny's this, Johnny's that. And I'm like, yeah, no, like, it had nothing to do with anything. Clueless, man. That was like, a good, it was a good pass by Johnny. It was a great pass. And Batista would have recovered easily had he had an actual grip. Yeah, and, and you know he, had, he, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have passed him immediately back. But the way that that pass was, you could see when Johnny passed Batista, Batista lo- like physically locked up because he knew he was out of traction. And, and Johnny was, too, and but Johnny started to realize he was going out yep. there too. But when you watch that back, like I did a few times, Batista did not deserve that. Like, no way. Like, there's no way any of those guys or riders deserve that. Mm-hmm. Johnny's crash in race two, he literally got off line six inches off a four foot line and loses the front and falls. And there's a, a laundry list of guys that, that you look at that you go like, well, that just didn't need to happen. And no, and that is safety of the track. It's safety, safety the as track. much as runoff is as much as, you know, looking at walls, you know, all that stuff to it's me. Crazy. Yeah. So I think the track's I, better in the rain than it is in the dry. Yeah. It, it's actually talked to Steve English about it a lot over the weekend. He's like, I kind of hope it rains because the track's not bad in the rain. <laughs> yeah. It's more raceable. It's It'll more give raceable. You more, gives you more entertainment. Yeah. That's you know, it's exactly right. It's more raceable because the way it sits now, it just isn't raceable. And, um, mm-hmm. so the super pole race, um, Greg, uh, was got was able to get the win in that after it was just hectic, but it was a Patty Yamaha 1-2 because Locatelli brought it home a second. Alex Lowe's ended up finishing third over Ray fourth. Bassani, Vierge, Rinaldi ended up seventh. Vandemark, Redding, and Petrucci rounded out the top ten there. And it was funny, um, you know, talking about Redding. Did you see him, like, lose his mind after the end race one? When his, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of frustration in that, in that BMW garage right now. In race two... Uh, again, a red flag interrupted race was this one also, but Batista ends up beating Rizgatiaglu. Batista had to come from 10th on the grid at a track that you can't pass on. So what does that tell you about that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and he wins by 1.2 seconds over Rizgatiaglu. Vierge, Rinaldi, Vierge on the Honda. Really great weekend for him. I mean, he's probably going to listen to this podcast as we know he does, right? <laughs> oh, uh, and he's probably going to say, these guys are nuts. It's my favorite track in the world. Um, but really nice work to see Honda. Great to see Leon Camier so 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 happy. Um, former world superbike guy himself. Leon's a great guy managing that team. Rinaldi, Locatelli, Petrucci, again with a strong ride, ends up sixth. Um, uh, Remy Gardner, who was so sick Saturday, he couldn't even ride. Um, so he ends up finishing. Uh, he wanted to ride, but the, the medical deemed him. Like yeah. they said, no, you can't ride. Probably due to he was dehydration sick. and just yeah. being super sick. And I guess listening again, listening to Steve, he said that um, that Gerloff had it. Um, God, who who is the other one that had it? Greg from. Um, well, there were a couple of World Super Sport guys. I mean, it was just su- yeah, but they it were was talking just about a, everybody just kind of got a little got, bit got sick, sick down yeah. there, which is such a bummer. And and look, I, I I'm all about these guys going and racing all over the world, but you know the problem is is it's like people have come to america and 
rag on the tracks here and then they go over there and they see <laughs> that 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 track to me like literally is not a raceable surface did Petrucci poop track. all over that track I didn't hear him come out and oh, say anything okay. yeah I didn't hear it so um, but yeah so so um, a couple non-finishers race two Sykes again didn't finish Johnny didn't finish did you see Vandermark's crash Vandermark and Philip Odell Vandermark high-sided really big oh yeah I did Odell see collected that him and you know the, the crazy part about that accident is we never really could see where that started but again I you know I, you got to think he's offline a foot gets high sided out of the seat because in the place that he crashed I mean I know the corner in the sense that I by watching the racetrack enough it's not a place that you're just going to go high side yourself uh, it was the right hander before the left same place where Ray and Batista did their thing corner sooner and he gets lifted up out of the seat in a vicious high side that again we don't see those very often anymore and collected Philip Older with it so glad to see both those guys were okay so they're off for like a month and a half or so, but we're going to get Steve English on and we're going to get his opinion. You know, what I was thinking too is that Bass mm. is kind of sitting at home recovering. Maybe I'll, I'll buzz him up and do an interview. It'd be with great him. to have him on because yeah. he's such a good guy. Yeah. Batista's leading the points, Greg, 112 over 75 over top rack. Uh, Locatelli is next. Bassani and, and Rinaldi is rounding out your top five right now. I mean, Johnny's sitting in six with 44 points. So. I think it's going to be a long, hard season for them. It is, and, and it's be, something yeah. that you and I can talk about maybe in a little bit more depth. And even getting Steve on here will be great because we can talk a little bit about what has he seen these first two rounds before they head to. I believe Assen is next, and um, you know, Assen you would think is going to be a good track uh, for for the Yamaha there, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be a lot tighter and closer. I expect there to be a lot of. I mean, dude, I, I, I mean, I, I just don't think. The way that Ducati's developed that bike over the winter, I, it yeah. just doesn't. And the way Bautista's riding doesn't look like there's a bad track for Ducati anymore. I just agree with you, man. I, I, I mean, totally I didn't think agree. I didn't think he was going to do what Bautista or Ducati was going to do what they did at this track. Honestly, um, yeah, you know, you're right. right. I don't because only Johnny Ray and only Top so, Rack had won. Only Inline Fours had won it. Yeah. Mandalica. So it's like, eh. so what you're kind of saying is, is you feel that this this Ducati, and I agree with you, hundred percent. There's not really a bad track for it. You know, after Phillip Island, I think you and I were both kind of trying to be subjective on the idea that Phillip Island's a little bit of a, uh, a special track that you're going to maybe see a guy like Batista on that Ducati run away from everybody. And we were kind of hoping that maybe it wouldn't be the case here. Um, the only way you're going to beat Batista is to rough him up. That's it. That, and these guys all know that. It's, that's the worst part about it is these guys know that the only way they're really going to win is if they if they rough the, him up. The problem though with Batista right now is that if you rough him up and let's say that he just gets let's say that Johnny and Top Rack mm-hmm. rough him up because we know when when things are good those three still are at the top of the field right right then Batista now can just chill and wait till towards wait. the end of the race because yeah. he's got so much tire underneath him he can attack because when we get to some of these stop and go racetracks that are going to be very you know they're going to favor Top Rack in uh-huh. a big way yeah. Because he can obviously get the bike turned, but there's only so many laps he can do it versus how fast the Ducati can do it. So, like for Top Rack, you have to be thinking to yourself, okay, by three quarters race distance, I'm going to need a four second lead on this guy. And how are you going to do that? Yeah, but you heard him even say that, you know, his front tire is gone. Yeah. His front tire is gone. So, that's what I'm saying. The Ducatis can, can run the softest tires. Yeah. They got the fastest bike and the lightest rider. And it's, 
I mean, it's a good formula, dude. We, we there, so there's always people that dominate. You know what I mean? And there as is. Much as, but as much as people want to hear, you know, don't want to hear it. It's like and 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 it's 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 not. We're stating the obvious here. It's not a knock on Ducati. They've done a great job. They've done what they needed to do. But it goes back again to this whole rules thought of we've got to control the rules because we don't want people just running away and winning. Well, we now we've got a guy that potentially. I, you know, I, do you see Batista, if he's healthy and finishes finishes races, do you see him not winning at least two races a weekend all the way through the season? That's what Whether I'm saying. Whether it be now. a Super Bowl race and one of the other ones or both of the longer versions. I mean, at this stage, it's... And, you know, you I, these guys, they put a good spin on it in winter circle. But you can tell Top Rack was pissed off. He mm-hmm. was like not... This is a track that he has genuinely done pretty well in. He was not happy at all. So I, I just don't see the racing G-Dub being better. I actually told Steve, I said, I feel bad for them guys this year because it's going to be Welcome kind to of our boring. Lives. But, but you know what they did is they did focus. You know, Phillip Island, they were focusing on the battle for fourth with six or seven guys, and they did the same thing at this one. There was like, you hardly saw Batista or the first three guys. The battle was for fourth between five or six guys and that's what they were showing in super sport greg it was cool kind of cool to see can get his first win over caracasulo nick uh nicky tuli ended up third and in race two caracasulo ended up beating monzi and bulaga uh in in world super sport so um that that series obviously uh we'll, we'll just keep banging along but Anchu did get his first win i think he was fourth in race two if i'm not mistaken yeah, he led. He led early on. He led a lot, a lot, a lot. and then yeah. the guys kind of. He had about midway through the race, I think his front tire started to go. Yeah, and Monzi was leading up to the last lap. Yeah, and again, again, in Monzi, I don't think is the guy that's going to hold back on how he feels about things. Mm. And he talked about how the Ducati just kind of rolled past him pretty easily. He opened up like four tenths or half a second in the first second. Yeah, but I, I think that was more but tire. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's more tire. I mean, if you look at the beginning of the races, they're pretty evenly matched. And Steve said it in the telecast. He's like, well, that was the same straightaway that Monzi was able to get up behind somebody and yeah. pass them into the next corner. Yeah. So um, I don't know if it was you know just a little bit sour on, on, on Manzi's part, but for sure... Uh, you know, the big thing there, Bulaga was leading the, the championship going into this weekend, and he ends up, um, I, I, where did he end up in race one, Greg? I think he ended up fourth. In, was he fourth? Yeah. So, yeah, he was fourth in race one. And then. Or fifth. Or fifth, fifth in race Schrader one, and then he fourth. ended up third Correct. in race two. Yeah. So, he didn't, he didn't lose a heap of points. Right, right. He's still looking like he's, yeah, he's pretty solid. It's mm-hmm. uh, Bulaga with 77 over Monzi with 59. So it's an 18-point lead. Then you have Anchu at 54. Kira Casulo and Nikki Tuli um, are your top five. Well, listen, speaking of Ducati and Supersport, let's talk about the Daytona 200 because, you know, leading the way and wearing the number one plate from what I found out today is going to be Josh Heron, who's back on his Pentagali V2. Last year, you know, you get, you get a couple stories, but bottom line is they ran out of gas and took they themselves did. out of contention. Yep. But you have Warhorse HSBK, Ducati, New York team with Josh Heron and Chavi Flores, who will be on that bike full time racing the 200. You have Josh Hayes in the mix, some other people. But the key thing with the Ducati is, is how easy it is on a tire. And that's the thing that, you know, even even on the, the Dunlops here. But with the Daytona 200, Jay, it's it's such a long race. If If... If you're listening to this internationally and you haven't heard of the Daytona 200, you can sum it up pretty easy for you. It's a unique race in the sense that it's a 200-mile solo race with two mandatory pit stops. And 
it's done at a super speedway with yeah. walls everywhere and incredibly high bankings and all that stuff. The speeds on these super sport bikes are, they're good, but you know, they're not, what are they? 170? 175. 175-ish. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, Greg, it, again, in the, honestly, some of the best racing that you're going to see is the first 18 laps, mm-hmm. 19, 20 laps before they have to do that first pit stop. You know, we're going to have a, you could, have, I, I really, I counted, I looked at the entry list that, that you had sent me. Um, I'd seen it and I thought, you know, there's legitimately 12, 12. to 14 guys yeah. that are going to be in that lead draft. Right. Right. And, and well, let's, let's say this. Yeah. In the lead draft on the first stint before the, before the, before pit the first pit stop. And I also saw that, you know, uh, Chevy Forrest, who's been last year, he was racing world endurance. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Yeah. He brought his world endurance. And he team brought his over. world endurance team over to, to do his pit, pit stops. stops. I don't know if people Brilliant realize move, by the way. how big of an advantage that is. Like the it's massive. It's you talk about teams who do something. Think about something you do once a year. Correct. And how great. So if I said to you, Jason, okay, you're going to go play three days of golf once a year. Yeah. How good are you really going to be? Yeah, no, it's well, you, you, what you, a better way of looking at it, this Greg is that when people lead up to the Daytona 200, just to get here, it's a scramble. Now you're going to have teams like Warhorse, You're going to have teams like attack that have already been practicing their pit stops. Okay. They but a lot of these four star Suzuki, they yeah, practice. They know all about pit stops. last but year. Yeah. Let's figure out last year, their pit stops were, were bad. So the thing that you have to remember is in a 24 hour race, the amount of pit stops that a team does in a 24 hour race, whether they're scheduled or unscheduled, these guys are used to how is it every hour, every it's hour, every and hour. And if there's no problems, it's every hour, but uh-huh. you got to remember that these guys are used to anything that comes up. There's, there's not going to be any panic with a crew of guys that are used to doing this. You got two 24 hour races a year. Then I think spa spa might even be a 24 hour race this, this year. So you got three 24 hour races and a couple, a couple eight, eight hour races in there. These guys like, literally doing pit stops to them is like brushing their teeth it's mm-hmm. nothing where i think a lot of our crews here and here at daytona you're you're going to have those teams that are going to be really good you're going to have people like tse that are that have been doing this for a long time you could go down this list and you can see it um of the of, of the people um but and it, and, it, and of course you got to think about posh and slx team yeah tobc uh, yeah they're going to be good they, they've been around but Mistakes happen in the pits, and that's really what loses this race. It's like when we saw Heron coasting along the, the banking last year or on the, on the apron, I really felt like this was his race to lose. I think that coming into this weekend that Ducati V2 is, is a really good bike, A, because it's great on tires. Um, it's fast. doesn't do anything really wrong. It's going to be great. Now, how big of a step have the M4 guys made with the 750? Um, you know, we've got Escalante. Ty Scott is going to be on that. Teague Hobbs is going to be on it. And if I look down the list, there are other bikes, other 750s that are 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 going to be in this as well. Hayden and Gillum, finally. I just love it. I, I like love it's just a bigger dude on a 750. It. I love it. That's that's great. I want to see Hayden do well. Um, Jagaloff. Yep, he's going to be on. So so you got some of these guys, and then you have the tried and true R6. Um, obviously, Josh Hayes is going to be on that bike and. Saw how close he was Probably last year. starting from the first th- two or three rows. Hopefully this, this year, year instead of the last. <laughs> uh, Camp Peterson's back. He's hungry to win this oh, race. He loved it last year. Yeah. So he's going to be another one that's going to be tough. Sheridan Marias. Marias. What about On PJ Jacobson? PJ. Small. 
Um, so, so there, so there I'll are tell you, a, to a me, lot of bikes there that can do something. What's really interesting to me mm-hmm. is Danilo Lewis on yeah, a on unique superbike MV Miami. So he's on MV Augusta yeah. F3RR, the bike that Debrino is going to debut in a couple races. So there are certain rules in place that make that bike super sport legal for Moto America competition. Right. And I know that it's been really difficult for Debrino to get parts. So I'm really curious to find out from our technical side, Moto America's technical side of things, you know, if that bike is is up to snuff and how it's going to perform. It's going to be the first test, just like Daytona was last year, remember, mm-hmm. for, for um, next generation super sport right. and balancing. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be the first test to see how the F3 does because that's a 800cc triple. Just like you know the uh, the Triumph is. Well, we've seen and we've seen Schrader racing that bike overseas, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So our stuff is a little bit different than than the Euro stuff, only because of the fuel. Okay. Our fuel and their fuel is a little bit different. Yep. So the maps and stuff are a little bit different. But I know that talking to Teague Dane, the director or whatever the heck he is, the vice pre- executive <laughs> vice president of technical inspections, whatever the hell. Um, he's he's interested and of course scott smart left yeah the fim deal so there's there's some stuff going on behind the scenes but the thing is is that danilo lewis if he gets off to a good starter has a good qualifying position he could learn really fast and he's another rider that could be on the back of of a 12 rider or 10 rider or 14 rider you know, uh, train in that first session. Yeah. And, and again, it's going to be pit stops for that team. But the other guy last year that was riding amazing that, that got kind of bummed out in that deal was Max Angles. Remember him on the yeah, Kawasaki? On he the led Cali. some laps. So looking down this entry list, you know, there's so many guys that will be there. I you know I'm looking at, I can see Jeff Mays there. And, and let's talk about a little history then. So yeah. Danny Essex won four. He could possibly win five. I think he got hung up with a bad pit stop, didn't he, last year? He did. Yeah. Yep. So, so Essek, but he had the pace. So he, he could be there as well. And so, so Danny would tie, you know, Miguel and Miguel and, and, Scott, Miguel Russell. and Scott Russell yeah. as five times winner. Brandon Posh is going for his third in a row. That yeah. would be, that would be some accomplishment. Um, and then Heron, if he could win it this year, he would be second on the all time list for riders that have won it their first and their most recent win. In the longest span like of 10 time, ten years, twelve years, or something. So it's th- it'd be thirteen years for Heron. Wow! It's and the rider who had a fourteen year from the first time he won it to the last time he won it is fourteen years. Fourteen years from the first time he won it to his last victory uh, at Daytona. I'd have to give it a couple thoughts. Um, Eddie Lawson. No. Because how long it had been since he won? Because he did it in the early eighties. It was like it was like eight years or something. It wasn't that years. wasn't that long? Yeah. Um. Yeah, you, you just got me stumped. It's Miguel. Oh, Miguel, really? Miguel's first win to his last one was 14 years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Okay, I thought you meant guys that have only won it twice. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No. Sorry, okay. From first win, yeah. First win to latest win, I should got you know it. I mean, that's kind yeah, of like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. But yeah, so first first win to their latest win. The got one it. that they won. Got it. Um, whether that's two or one or three or whatever it was. But yeah, Miguel, man, he had 14. Amazing. But Miguel I, is the only rider that I found. Yeah. Who's won the Daytona 200 on superbikes and on 600s? Yeah, and you know, going on that, you know, you see all these comments about people saying, "Well, oh, the race isn't what it used to be because the big bikes and this and that." You got to remember, like, hey, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means because I think that right now the Daytona 200 is is literally 
as competitive as it ever has been. And let me explain what I'm saying. Back in the day when we were racing superbikes around here, you had a lot of factory involvement and the race itself was always really, really good. But we never had 14 or 15 guys in a lead draft at the start of the of the Daytona 200. It just never was a thing. You always had, you might have a lead draft of three, four guys at the beginning, but the field would spread out quickly. And we also had lappers on like lap three. There was nothing that used to fire me up more than lapping people on the third or fourth lap. And you're in a, you know, you're still, your tires are still good. Your speed is so high and you're going seven, eight, nine seconds a lap quicker than the guys that they were letting in the race. And I thought, my biggest takeaway last year from the race itself was, and you and I said this too, I remember when Greg and I were getting ready to go on the air last year, we'd never done the 200 and we're like, oh my gosh, 57 laps, this is going to take forever. And it literally zoomed by because the race was so good. We had the best seat in the house from where we were. And, um, but, but more importantly, it, it was like you had, you had the drama at the beginning and then there was still a lot of storylines. The Daytona 200 in the past has been a, a bit of a race of attrition i think on these bikes it's full out full bore the whole time and we don't have to deal with the traffic because moto america has done such a good job like they did last year of the qualifying time to get in and we weren't even into back markers i don't think last year until like lap 12 or 14 or something like that so it was great i mean i love that part of it i think it makes it safer doesn't it it does make it safer and i think the thing <clears throat> that people forget is you know, in the 80s, the 90s, even into the 2000s, things were changing so fast. Yeah. You know, when I first got into racing in, say, 90, you know, when I started paying attention to it in 94, mm-hmm. manufacturers were still trying to decide whether they're going to put 16-inch wheels, 16-and-a-half-inch wheels, 17-inch wheels. Is a 270-millimeter front brakes better than a 320? Well, we went too yeah. big. There's gyroscopic effect. Like, uh, a GMD CompuTrack was the thing. People were finding out what 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 geometry was on a motorcycle. Even factory Honda looked to GMT CompuTrack and were like, "Hey, we need to buy one of these machines." Right. And and then motor development. You know, I mean, John Ashmead won this thing because most of the most of the factory teams blew up around him or whatever. You know, yeah, 1989. He, I was here for that. We really, yeah. yeah. So I mean, not to take it away from John Ashmead. No, I mean, he won the damn not. race. But what I'm saying, but is, that's what this race was. That's what this race was. And then you got into a point where things started to get more in a box. We knew what good setup was. Then Dunlop started, and these other manufacturers, but mostly Dunlop started developing tires specifically for Daytona. And but you know, place, we, we, but Jay, we've yeah. been through it where guys had rear tires blow up on the bike. I mean, and see, the thing is, is that the 200, that's what it became though, G-Dub, is it became a race of, you know, when you were 15 laps into a stint, and I remember this, you know I me, mean, I don't talk about my, my racing so-called career often, but the 200, it became a thing where I used to be so fired up to get here and I could hardly wait to leave. And mm-hmm. all I wanted to do, I really started to adopt the principle um, that I wanted to get out of here with everything still Intact. You know, connected. Yeah, because because especially in that time when we had tires letting loose on the bankings and stuff. Um, I, I, Dude, I, it wasn't just that. I mean, the track was in great conditions. You had rocks that would go through radiators, go through windshields, people's fairings. You could, you could, I could literally walk through the paddock midway yep. through the season and say, you guys ran that at Daytona, right? It would sandblast the yeah, paint and you, off of stuff, right? Like you never you, wanted to come here with your freshly new painted No, helmets, never. Because you're just getting destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah. Your chest would be bruised because you're bouncing off the tank on the banking and stuff. What I'm saying is, <laughs> is that people... 
people's memory of the past is so skewed right to 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 what their what their fantasy is you know i had a guy come up to me last year and he's like dude you know this racing today is kind of crap back in the heyday when you know what yeah the heyday you know like when when spees was racing nikki hayden i'm like um that didn't happen yeah it didn't happen you know, yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, people just and like I said, I've done the research before in the Spees and Maladin area that people just love, love, love. There are very few races where those guys raced each other. They battled. You know, Greg, I, I'll tell you a quick little funny story about this place because as a kid, Daytona was always the thing. I came here with my dad in 1977, which is crazy to think. But you were um, already 31. Then I was 31. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm like 100 now. So ish. But the thing is, I've been coming down here. It's it's so weird to even say that I came was down here that young but my dream was always to write daytona obviously like you wanted to win daytona more than anything in the world and and the 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 funny part about some of that was when i finally got my opportunity to ride superbike i i'll never forget this for as long as i live i went out to go for qualifying here i was riding for yosh and matt maladin's my teammate so i'm getting ready to go on my first qualifying tire at Daytona 200 right so qualifying's ramping up 15 minutes left I've got two tires to burn and I come in getting a drink I tell it I find Jim Allen right Jim Allen to me was just the greatest human being for, you know for Dunlop and um, he was so good to me and, and a lot of the writers but the funny part was I went up to him I said Jim I got my helmet on GW I'm over the wall already I'm, I'm literally sitting on my bike Jim Allen's there and I'm like Jimmy what do I do on this tire? Like, what uh, what can I expect? And he says, all right, Jay. He goes, listen. He goes, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go out of pit lane. I need you to go through the infield pretty much as slowly as you can. Like, just keep an eye behind you. Make sure nobody's coming up. But try to not use this tire at all. And then when you get up on the bank and you start heading down the back straightaway, be cognizant that it's a soft tire. You want to get chipped to speed. You've got plenty of heat in it. By the time you come out of the chicane, I need you to be at full pop and when you come across start finish lane to start your lap you have got to be in the mindset that you're just going to trust it that it's going to make it and i went okay okay i think <laughs> and and, and g-dub and i'm this is no kidding within five seconds after he spits that out to me maladin rolls down into pit lane and pulls right in front of it because he's he's pitted with me obviously he's in the pit box in front of me he has just gone out on his first tire and he pulls in front of me and all I see is cords hanging out the left side of the tire. <laughs> and I'm going like, uh-oh. Like, that was not what I needed to see. Yeah. And pretty much from that point on, Daytona yeah. for me was, I want to get out of here alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the whole time you're in the race, to be honest with you, you know the big scoring towers in the middle of the race? I would sit there and look at those and count the laps down. And when I knew that I was in my last five laps on a tire, I'm just going around the bankings hoping that the tire stays together. Yeah, we just again we don't have those problems anymore. We don't have those, we don't problems, have those problems anymore. anymore. And so for you, me, you, you makes... literally can take any stock motorcycle of, of the big manufacturers. Yep. And in stock trim, you're yep. going to finish the Daytona two. Correct. You 100%. couldn't do that 15 years ago, 20 no. years ago. You'd no. worry about stuff. You'd short shift. You'd, oh you know God. what I mean? Like it's just what I'm saying is everything has improved over the years, and that has helped people's confidence. Correct. Especially the young guys who don't know, don't have the experiences, you know that that we've had. They haven't seen Ben Bostrom sliding around the bank uh, and losing a nipple right Yates and hacking didn't they crash Yates in the banking uh spees yeah remember so, with joe rocket his gloves blew apart and, and it's not like it's not like them any of Sadowski. the manufacturers fall sadowski wow i mean it's how so about danny eslick crashing on the, the banking tire. 
on yeah, the front never, tire. I'll never forget that That's one. Your, your first pit reporting gig. My pit reporting gig, and they shut us down for two hours. And I was, Greg had one half of the grid, oh or one God. half of pit lane. I had the other half, and for two hours we just filled, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I was doing the best I could. But that was the one that DeSalvo won when they changed the, the motor mid-race, if you remember, because when Danny crashed, all the competitors had to get their front tires done, and DeSalvo had blown up the lap prior to that happening. So they went back a lap. He was still scored. They changed motors in that bike, and he went on to win the On what the bike? Race. Ducati. And how so, many have Ducati won before that and since then? Um, I think that's... Is that the only one they've won? That is the only, only one. one they've ever won. They're always, Ducati had always been snake bit here. I, honestly, they've always been snake bit here. They've always been fast here, even with Picot, with Doug Poland, with There's been some big names on Ducatis that have Courser. just not Courser. That Scott Russell beat him. I'll never forget it. It was before I started <clears throat> commentating, and Scott Russell was here, and he beat Troy Courser. On, uh, he was on the Cowie wow. when he did yep. it. And in, in, in the winter circle, this is what I hear. I'm, I'm going to do a Scott Russell impersonation. Yeah. You ready? He goes, they interviewed him and, and said, oh, Scott, you know, you won the race. Congratulations. How was it? Whatever. And he goes, I was faster than Carson Madlenstein. <laughs> I go, what the heck? What? <laughs> I, re- I paused it. I rewind yeah. it. Yeah. Faster than Carson Madlenstein. And he was saying, I'm faster than course remaining than the chicane. And he was right. Yeah. In the chicane, he could, cu- he could come through the chicane so fast and just... that whatever the Ducati had, when it did, it was faster than Cowie. Yeah. He, he, could, he could beat him to the line. He could get him to that the was, line. That was, a, that was a great race. I remember that race. Yeah, um, you know, and there's there's so many great, there's so much history here. There's so much good things going on. The best 200 though that I've ever seen, because I haven't seen him since you have. Though was obviously when Scott fell off, when he I fell mean, off, picked it up and just just. Insane. And that's that's the kind of racing insane. that Daytona used used to give us. Right? I was sitting in the Cycle News. Uh, Cycle News used to have a a place here, and I was sitting there in their building, like like the box, like, or the yeah, boot? one of the boxes, yeah, the box, yeah, yeah. watching it. And the, everybody in the boot, everybody in this little area, like jumped, and it was like Scott jumping over his bike to pick it up. Famous I mean, picture. it's just, it's just so, it's so great. And then he comes back and wins the race on top of it with a broken and foot it, peg, by the it, way. It's unreal. Remember that? Yeah, he yeah. had a nub, and yeah. And I remember one year him like having fuel spill all over him in the pits. And oh, I think it was on a Yamaha, right? Yeah, I can't remember. I thought it was the Cowie still, but anyways, I mean, look, the thing is is the Daytona 200 right now has a little bit of a new identity, I think. And I think that there were years where we could look back and literally in the last 10 years, 10, 15 years, whenever it went to 600, remember when they were running that in other infield course too and trying to get people off the, the was it the West Banking? Yeah. And that little infield was, was ridiculous, um, but it served a purpose because there was issues there that they were worried about. But... Now, I've definitely leaned into the fact that the 200 doesn't have big bikes anymore. And the, the further away from big bikes we get, the more I actually like the 200 with, with the middleweight bikes. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, I think it's regaining its identity. People around the world are talking about it. People around, you know, they, they want to come see the Daytona 200. People, there are riders that I know right as we speak here that are racing in other series around the world. They're like, when I'm done, by the time I'm done, I want to do the Daytona 200 once. And I think that... The last, and I'm not, please understand, I'm not, I'm not shitbagging anybody that's won it in the last 10 or 15 years, but Daytona 200 had lost its identity. Like nobody really cared about it as much anymore. Nobody, there are people that want it that, that, that you sit there and you go like, ah, you know, whatever. But, but now I really do believe that, that the 200 has regained some of that. You're always going to get the old school guys that with the records, like the Russells and the Duhamels that are going to look at this race now and go, well, these guys are doing it on bikes that you know 
they're not super bikes anymore. So it doesn't mean as much probably to those guys. But the 200 now to this younger generation is a huge deal. It's a big well, race I, now. I, just, I think in a and way. you can see by the grid this year. It, you can it, see it. it. Look, man, <clears throat> if you're in a five-bike draft or a four-bike draft to the finish line, yep. you're going to tell me that that's not to win that and look over your shoulder on both sides and see four wheels that you just beat yep. or three wheels you just beat versus you winning by 25 seconds coming across the line. Right. I mean, I, like last year's race was unreal. Like it was, it was so good. Bikes. And I don't expect it to be any different this year. I just think it might be a larger pack of people. I just want everybody to be safe. Are we going to, are we going to put each other on the spot here? Or are we not going to do that? I mean, there's just, there's no way to do it. I mean, there's no way to do it. You, you know, the only way to do it is to say, who's going to, who, who do you think is going to be the last five standing? The problem is there's 12, there's 12 or 14 riders. And there's some people here. We don't know how they're going to go. You know what I mean? Jason Farrell's here. I mean, you know, he could, he could come out with a, with a decent bike and who won a race last year? He won road America. Yeah, he won road America. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, yeah. like there, there's, yeah, there's, there's a mean. lot of unknowns. I mean, yeah. what's, what's Teague Hobbs going to do, right? Yeah. Like it's his first year on this vision yeah. wheel GSXR. I mean that there's, there's so many unknowns right now. And it, it, we, it can be like we saw last year that Daytona can be one of those races like a max angles. What's, what is max? And he do? rode great last year. He, he rode amazing. A pit stop, I think it, for him too, because didn't he get hooked up? Cause Richie Escalante had a really bad pit stop. And mm-hmm. I think him and Escalante rolled around together for the majority of the race after the first pit stop, just riding around because the, the pit stops that they had just weren't there. I mean, Ty Scott, and there's so many, there are so and many. And we have a, ta- we have a tire battle. We that, have somebody on Bridgestones. We I have Pirelli. That. It's great. I, I mean, love that we have a tire battle. Look, it's, so if you have the Moto America Live Plus app, it's going to be on there live. It starts at one o'clock on Saturday. This is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event for us. Uh, it'll air, I think, six o'clock or six thirty. Uh, a two and a half hour broadcast. It's we're basically going to record it live to tape, mm-hmm. which means that you know, yes, as long as you stay off the internet for five hours, you're going to pick up the race on Mav TV. It'll be a two and a half hour show, just like it's going to be on the app. We'd rather have you have the app, of course. Oh, the app's the way to go. Like yeah. the app's the way to go on pretty much everything. Like I yeah. love watching World Superbike. I love watching MotoGP. Plus, you can watch the Twins Cup races. You're going to be able to see Roland Sands Hooligans yeah. races. And which... let's talk about that for just a second, G Dub. Yeah. The Twins Cup is going to be another one of those classes that are. It's you know it's going to be a pretty wild class this year. Blake Davis, defending champ, is back. He's going to be he's going to be here. Jody Berry, um, you know you got Chase Black, Trevor Standish. Um, Jackson Blackman. Good to see Jackson Blackman back. Obviously had a big injury at Road America last year. I'm happy to see him going. Dom Doyle is going to be here. Cody Wyman jumping up from uh, Junior Cup. Obviously, he's there. Hayden Schultz, another guy who was a front runner last year. He's going to be there. How about Joe LaMondre Jr.? Why wouldn't he be up there? He's going to be up there. He has just come back from a major knee reconstruction. Um, I'm lucky enough I talked to him a fair bit, and I'm, I'm excited for Joe. He's... He's really worked hard to get in his fitness back as far as getting healthy with his leg. And, uh, and he is, you know, he's signed on this year with the Altus Motorsports team. They've been testing. Good to see him doing his thing. Ben Glotti, another kid I'd love to see do well. Gus Rodeo, who we saw do well. And what about Kayla Yakov? I mean, Kayla, I mean, this, is, this could be a great race for her. I, I think she's got a lot of savvy with her. With these guys, and they run, two, they run two races this weekend, right? Two. Twins Cup's going to run two races. So... You look down this list of people that we're looking at right now. There's going to be 38 of these bikes going around the high banks. Um, and, and our boy, Ed Sullivan, he, he's here every year yep. at Daytona. 
good to see him back. And then Greg, King of the Baggers, is back this year. Um, O'Hara, both the Wyman brothers. Corey West is here. Garcia, uh, again, you look down. James Raspoli is going to be partnered with Hayden Gillum, who's going to be so busy this year. Hayden Gillum is riding the Daytona 200 and a bagger. Yeah. He's riding stock 1,000 yeah. and Superbike when we get right, when we go to the other races. Yeah, okay. He is going to be a busy guy because he's going to be on the Harley all, all year as well. So there are going to be some weekends where he's going to have to – He's gonna be riding. He's gonna be riding three by three different bikes. He's gonna ride a stock thousand. Sheesh. I heard through the grapevine that yeah. he's gonna be on a real super bike, possibly. That that oh. team has done a nice job. Well, and, and don't take that for anything just yet, because I don't know if that's a hundred percent. But I heard that it's gonna be much more of a super bike than it was last year. Cool. Which would be great. Jeremy McWilliams is back. Jake Lewis uh, on the Saddleman bike. You know, teaming up with Corey West. Of course, we got. Patricia Fernandez on that team as well. I think our only female in that in in, in the baggers class. The thing that I want to make note of is Bobby Max Fong. Mac, Bobby Fong, Max yeah. Flinders, right? Yep. Is that there's been significant rule changes, and we'll talk about it in the some of them in the broadcast. And it was to basically take away the edge of the advantage of the straight up factory bikes, so the yep. two Harleys and the two Indians. And so it's gonna be a nice test here because this is the big dyno. To really find out if those rule <laughs> yeah. changes are going to elevate, you know, elevate those teams like Rispoli's on, yep, or like Corey we uh, Corey West is on, like Saddleman or the Vance and Hines team, and to see if they're able to kind of balance that field out a little bit and negate because, I mean, obviously we know Tyler O'Hara, Travis Wyman, Corey West, uh, Kyle Wyman, Rispoli. Bobby Fong, Gillum. Gillum Eslick. I mean, these are all riders that are very similar in skill, mm -hmm. right? And very yep. similar in speed. Yep. But what we saw the last couple of years, I think, is a significant difference just in spend. Yep. How much money was being spent. So the, with the rule changes, and we'll talk to Teague about it again, the senior executive vice president of all rules, we'll, we'll talk to him and really kind of dive deep into um, what, what significant rule changes. Because if you see the rule book, Jay, mm -hmm. Whenever there's changes from year to year, they're like red. They're yep. like in red, and you and and baggers had probably the most red lines of wow. of any of the rule changes that we had this yeah. year. And I know some of the boys that have been testing those bikes. I mean, look, I'm friends with a lot of them, and I've been talking to a lot of them, and they are blown away by what's going on in this class, like how good the bikes are and how fast they're going. These guys are talking about maybe going two seconds quicker here this year than they did last. And last year when they were going around here, you and I were like, how are they going this fast right now? And, and you know, again. How far off are we to see Stamboli build a bagger? Oh, God. I don't I don't know <laughs> if that could ever actually happen. I'm just saying, okay, a guy like Stamboli thrives he on innovation, fiddle with things. Yeah. Fiddle with things. Yeah. His problem is he's, he's contracted by Yamaha. Correct. And Yamaha doesn't make a bike that I think is legal for the class. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really interested to see what Nate Kern does on the BMW R9T. In the hooligan? In the hooligans class. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, first of all, you have Harley-Davidson Pan Americas in there. Mm -hmm. That's the, the ADV bike, okay? Yeah. I mean, that, you might as well put a Ducati Panigale or a, a uh, Multistrada in there. I don't know if anybody has one or if they're legal. But the, the Pan America's in there. The Road Glide's in there. The 890 Duke is in there. Yep. The FTR 1200 from Indian is in there. The hyper Ducati Hyper Motard. I mean, that thing is is such a blend, and you know we know that there's a couple super fast riders out there. Tyler O'Hare, of course, your, your national champ, 
front of that number one plate, and he's back with that thing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to look at last year's race winner, Andy Debrino. He won one. I think there were two races here, right? Or was there only one Julio's race? Was there two? Or was there I know Debrino won one. And Didn't who- it rain? And so oh, they, I think they end up getting they, canceled, right? And yeah. they pushed one back to the end of the day, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, and he ended up... We have three ladies in this class, too. Mallory Dobbs is going to be here. Oh, cool. Yep, she's going to be riding the Ducati. We got Patricia Fernandez and Shalina Moreta. So. Great, we got women in all the classes then, because they toned a 200, at least. Do we have somebody in the in the baggers? Oh, Patricia, of course. Patricia, Patricia yeah, in the baggers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then um, uh, in the Daytona 200. And again, what's going to happen, though, is they're they're going to break these groups up and there will be an A group and a B group. So Great. if you don't qualify, they're going to have basically like a consolation race. Yeah. So we don't know who's going to qualify, but in terms of the 52 riders that are on the, on the entry list, uh, Jessica Capizzi, who, How many, yeah. who I think it might, you know, she'll be on a good bike. I think, yeah. She's J- no. I mean, they're, I think she's Jason Farrell's wife or girlfriend or something. I think so. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. they're from Oshkosh or on Farrell performance or on ZX six R's and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, how many, Greg, is there, is it just a qualifying time or do they limit it to um, like who is it just within a percentage or do they actually cut the field off? No, it's a percentage. It's a percentage. That's it's what a percentage. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so legitimately everybody could qualify as long as they get within the percentage that they need to get into. So correct. You know, the 200, all of it's going to be great. I'm ex- like I said, GW and I are pumped to be here. I'm excited. This race is on our calendar. I'm glad Moto America has kind of taken this race and um, you know doing something with it. Get the app, everybody, because the app is going to be the place to keep track of every single thing that's going on all during the day. Um, I don't know when you're going to post this. Are you posting this tonight? Tonight, you're posting tonight. So post it tonight. Hopefully people will be listening to this by tomorrow morning, and you'll be able to get the app and kind of keep up with what's going on. All right, so let's just move on to Supercross then. Um, and we're just going to br- brief over this really it's just a, another unique weekend. I mean, it's almost like the Daytona Speedway track is unique for us or Phillip Island for World Superbike or whatever. Mm-hmm. So in the big bike class, Eli Tomac ends up winning by 1.7 seconds over Cooper Webb and then Chase Sexton, Barsha in fourth, Jason Anderson in fifth, Justin Cooper, Kenny Roxon in seventh, RJ Hampshire, uh, Aaron Plessinger, and Christian Craig round out your top 10. In the championship, it's Tomac who's got a five-point advantage over Cooper Webb. I know you watched these races. It was a bit interesting. I did. I watched them, and you know the thing is, is that is that when you you watch Eli Tomac, it just looks like he's supposed to win here. But Cooper Webb kept him honest the entire race long. I mean, it was like it was it was interesting because Cooper, you know, led the race. Tomac was there, and. It's like Tomac threw a shot at him, but then fell back. Oh my gosh! I thought they were both going to yeah, go down. They, were both they going didn't. In, yeah. And then you sit there and you go like, "Well, you know, Tomac goes by him," and then it was like, "Okay, he's gonna he's gonna just walk away now. He's gone. Like it's the race is over." And then of course it's not. Cooper Webb is just so good, and he just grinds on on guys so hard. And he in 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 the sense that even all the way to the last lap, you just had a feeling he was going to just put this incredible charge on and be able to and to to be able to come forward and win that race. But um, was it Sexton third? Yeah. Yeah, Sexton third. I can't get it to pull up for some reason on my computer right now. But Sexton ends up third. 12, um, 12 seconds back. I 12 mean, seconds back, you know. You know, they lapped all the way up to 12. And, you know, it's just, 
I think I think where a lot of people had hoped Sexton was going to be more of an impact in the championship, he's still right there. But he's he got to really he's got to batten down the hatches, or else this is going to be the Eli Tomac Cooper Webb show. I think the rest of the way. The only real thing for me is I thought Jason Anderson was going to be a little bit better mm-hmm. um, this year and figure some things out. But uh, it's pretty much kind of the way we thought it was. And, and you know, moving to the East Championship in the 250 class, it was Hunter Lawrence who ends up kind of chasing down some people and and checks out nine-second victory over Max Ansi and Hayden Deegan, who's... Rode so well. A, yeah, he rode well. And a lot of people are just like, dude, this guy's unreal. But still 24 and a half seconds back, Jay. Jordan Smith in fourth place, 29 seconds back. I mean, you know, if... I don't know. It's one of those situations where you're like, yeah, but it's Daytona. Look, it's Daytona. Yeah. So the thing that Hunter Lawrence showed me is that the track was gnarly. That sand section was brutal, man. It was so good, though. It was I so love good. It. Like I love it. I know the riders and hate it. That's it's the super thing physical, that physical, but I yeah, love it. Like Hunter Lawrence is just, he's really showing something. I think. No, well, I think having a brother there that's pushing you along, and they're both leading the championship, and you know they're both going to be eyeing a Honda, you know, four fifty seat at some point, and. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes, um, because you got Colt Nichols there right now. His rookie season on a 450. I, I, you know, I don't know how the contracts are working right now in Supercross. This is where Wygant would be great to have on because mm-hmm. he kind of explained to us who's going to be there for the long haul. But there's some guys that have been there now a while that are starting to show some real speed. Like you look at, I think Justin Cooper has done awesome this year. Yeah, uh, he's done. He's been super consistent, kind of flying under the Tom radar. Vial. Tommy Alley, I mean, he came over from overseas on the on the 250 class. Then even like, um, yeah, Plessinger. I mean, Thrasher. He's, he's been doing it. Thrasher's been doing Thrash, better. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of young guys, a lot of kids that are coming through and, and that kind of thing. Greg in fantasy this week, of course, if you're on with us, uh, you're in Greg's Garage podcast. Um, our, our this has been a lot of fun for us and a lot of good smack talk, but. DV nine three four G Dub is the what new is, leader. What? Yeah, Dude, we, the, I think we've had a new leader every new week. leader, the new leader, and right? um, it's weird. It scored two hundred thirty four points. So I don't know if like I, I'm I'm kind of trying to pull it up as we go here. But, yeah, but back in Arlington, DV nine three four. Yeah, three hundred two points overall, twelfth overall. Period. Yeah, that's amazing. Of every birdie. That's amazing. So, so that means that more or less everybody else like Rotten, Racer Russ, PM140, they must have had, yeah, I mean, Rotten solid. Had a good, Rotten had a good one. Racer, Racer Russ, PM140. Uh, Taybelts is still in, uh, well, PM140 and Taybelts are tied right now uh, for fifth place, fourth place. So BJP43, what'd you get last week? Let's see. Oh, I was in 180 or something. It was pretty bad. You, okay, yeah. But I mean, if you look at if you look at the individual for you know just for Daytona itself, yeah, and you, you look at the individual winner, it was Vince Thirty, man, two hundred and eighty points. That's amazing. And then D forty, I guess is how you say that, two seventy eight, living the dream, seven twenty, two hundred seventy five points. So our boy, our boy Jason or uh, Jeff Wheel, man, eighth place, yeah, with two sixty six. He's trying to make a comeback. You last week were overall 19th, so you got to be on page one now. I'm right? on page one. I have uh, jumped myself up to the Valentino Rossi number, so our boy Dougie Lincoln's going to hate me mm. for that. I'm up to 46th, missing a week. So what's 1707 I have, and what's leading it is 1924. So basically, um, 
What is that, G Dub? Two hundred and seventeen points back, and I, missed, I have faith in I, you, Jason. And I you can't do it. Yeah, well, I'm not going to win. Uh, you're a loser. I can't now, but boy, it would be fun to catch like Uncle Skip in eleventh if I can. There's still a lot of racing to go in Supercross. Yeah, it's quite tons a bit. of racing to go. Half and the season, right? Yeah, I got myself back up on the first page. I can see Chucky down there in fiftieth. So <laughs> it's been fun. Where are they at this week? Do you know where they're at this week? Indy. They're up back up at Indy. Nolan so that's Lamkin, east, that's Nolan east, Lampkin area, but that's East Coast, right? So remember, they go to Indy, which means Saturday night when we're done, we should be done by six. Everything gets going at seven. We'll be at the Ale House. G Dub and I will be at the Ale House. That's what we now, did, did last you, year. Do you huh? know that you're checking out Saturday, right? Am I? That's what they have us checking out of this hotel Saturday. Okay. So I might ex- just extend and stay, and then you know, or when we get done at the Ale House, because a seven just, o'clock race though, we're not going to be done until what time? Is it 10 or 11? Yeah, we can either do that and just rip over to Orlando. It's good we're sharing this with everybody so they can just know our plans. Like, we couldn't talk about this off air and just, you know, nobody wants to hear this shit. Nobody wants to know. Yeah. But we'll be at the Ale House. Yeah, we'll be be there. We'll be at the Ale House. Greg will be drinking beer. I'll be sipping on mozzarella sticks. Just like he does. Greg's a big drinker. (laughs) Me and Greg. Root beer and mozzarella sticks. We're the two worst when it comes to, yeah. Because not only does a two and a half hour broadcast drain us just by doing the 200, but then we have to stick around and do baggers after that. We're going to do baggers. That's right. We're going to do baggers after. Yeah. And then hopefully everybody has a good, safe week. And then you and I will have done our picks. And I might do the same, though. Might stay here for an extra night. And then. I'll probably I'll, if it gets done if it starts at oh, seven. Oh, you're driving home though. I'm, I, I may just I, I may just drive up like three yeah, hours, go to be, Savannah, yes, yeah, get a hotel at one o'clock in the morning, sleep, get up, shoot yeah. my bow there again, and yeah, then five go. hour drive home from there. I might do that. There you go. So we got the bow reference in. So we got, I mean, got to get you got that. that? Every, yeah, every archery. Got to get that. Yeah, thing yeah. In. So yeah, good. I'm for a fifty fifty archer now. Fifty percent of my shots are pure, like exactly. tiger swing, and then the others are Ginchy absolute cheats. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. That's cute. Target panic. Anyway, all right, so so that's it. Um, I apologize again for the audio quality because it is freaking 1020. Yeah, we got to be watch. at the track in the morning. There you go. Knock it the fuck off. <laughs> so I'm not editing. I'm just literally going to slap this together. Yeah. And so all the, the, the chair creaking and the, and the echoness of this whole thing. Hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully it's not too bad. So anyway, take us out, JP. And then after you do, imagine there's music. Yeah, because I didn't get any music. It's like my cue, you know. It's it is, but man, it is race week. I'm pumped. I'm excited to be here Tuesday night, Daytona. Uh, Wednesday night, sorry, Daytona here. And um, these guys are gonna be on the on the high banks tomorrow. There's probably nothing better than you know, kind of hearing them going around the banking. And we're right across the street from it. So if you're coming to Daytona, let's enjoy the great weather. Bike week, I hear, is gonna be a lot more people here because of the weather um good luck to all the competitors excited about our show next week g-dub let's uh hope everyone has a safe weekend and enjoy the race and we'll talk to y'all soon <laughs>